Welcome to Tattooed Freaks and Business Suits, recorded live in the kitchen of the Personal Touch Career Services in Denver, Colorado. I am your host, Donna Shannon. As a professional career coach, I help people navigate the hiring maze to get to the jobs they really love. In addition to working with Job Seekers 101, I do have a book out there. You can find Get a Job Without Going Crazy on Amazon or on our website. And my guest today, I'm very excited to have, is Patricia McMahon from the EEOC. So uh, the purpose of our show, for those of you who don't know, is to explore and really redefine the world of work, especially as Gen X, millennials, and those to come after seek positions of leadership that still allow us to be themselves. So every show, we explore a topic related to business or job searching. And of course, we're going to talk about tattoos. Our sponsor is the Personal Touch Career Services, Denver's top-rated career coaches. We focus on all those practical tools for your job search, including resumes, LinkedIn profiles, job search coaching, and ongoing classes. So check out our ridiculously long website, which is personaltouchcareerservices.com. Once again, that's personaltouchcareerservices.com. Or, you know, you can just Google it. Well, Patricia, fortunately for you, the EEOC has a very short website. Oh, well, only only the, the name is short. When you get into our website, our website is ridiculously difficult to navigate. I actually apologize to everybody who goes there. <laughs> it's horrible. Uh, uh, but you're not in charge of the website anyways. I Well, I'm going to say for the purposes of this, not completely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I do actually contribute to that monstrosity, yes. Oh, great. Oh, so, yeah, I know, right? Oh, Right. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you do? Okay, well, I am the Outreach and Education Coordinator. Uh, my role is to provide outreach and education uh, to, uh, to to everybody, to, to the small business community, to the, the, the stakeholders, to the employee community, to the advocacy community. I also am the public affairs director, so I do public information. I'm the person who issues all the press releases. Uh, when nobody else will give up a, a statement to the press, I'm the I'm the face of the EEOC, so I am the press officer. Uh, I, I prefer not to do that. I, I, I like to uh, put other people in front. I'm, I, I'm the person when nobody else wants to do it. I, I, I get stuck with that. Uh, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm that anonymous uh, spokesperson. So whenever you see uh, the spokesperson for the EEOC Denver field office, that's me. That's uh, so, yeah, that's yeah. So 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 now so now now you know the more you know, right? Uh, yeah. So I'm the congressional uh, liaison. So I am the, the 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 bridge between EEOC and Congress, the U.S. Congress and State Congress uh, for the Denver field office. And um, I do uh, webinar, webinars, uh, teaching, uh, you know, go out and do, uh, you know, individual teaching classes and, um, and, and social events to go out there and network and meet people so that, you know, people get to, get to put a face to the EEOC. So I'm pretty much their PR person. Well, there we go. So I don't know how well our listeners are going to be familiar with the EEOC. I know it stands for the Equal Employment Opportunity. Opportunity Commission, correct? Yes. <laughs> I had to go back to my college days. <laughs> yeah. So what are some of the things that uh, the EEOC does for either job seekers or people who are already in the workforce? 
So the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, our roots go back to the civil rights days. We we were born out of the, the Civil Rights Act of 1964. So when that was signed into law, uh, as most people, I, some people don't know this, but whenever a new law is signed, you have to have uh, the teeth of the federal government behind it. So what EEOC is, is we are the teeth behind the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which uh, the Title VII provision, which is employment. Uh, so uh, when people say, well, what happened um, out of the, the, the marches and all of those protests? Well, the Civil Rights Act is one of the things that, that came out of it. And uh, one of the provisions was Title VII, the Civil Rights Act, which was the employment provision, which says that you can't discriminate against somebody based on their race, their sex, their national origin, their religion, their, their color. Uh, and so the, in order for this to, to have any teeth in the law, you had to set up an agency that would protect the rights of people. And that was the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. And so we opened our doors uh, one year after the signing of the Civil Rights Act, July 2nd, 1965. And when our doors opened one year later, we were put there to protect the employment rights of people who wanted to file charges and complaints uh, based on discrimination that may have been occurring uh, based on their race, sex, national origin, religion, or color. And so that that was our, the birth of our agency. And we have been around ever since protecting people and their rights in employment. Great. I think where most of our audience, whether they've been job seekers or they're kind of in a position already, is uh, most of them see that lovely survey that's at the end of every single one of these job applications. And I have talked to so many job seekers who are nervous about filling that thing out. They're like, why are the employers asking this? They're not supposed to be able to discriminate against me. Why would I even you know, disclose what race I am? So what is that thing and what is it for? Okay, well, I'm glad you asked that because what that is, that's called the EEO1 tear-off sheet. And uh, that's that's not a requirement from EEOC, but but it is um, it is a voluntary uh, sheet that EEOC uh, that that we actually ask employers to do because it's it's part of a survey that um, that that if you have 100 or more employees, the the, the company has to report uh, to the joint reporting task committee. So so we're, we're going to put that in tab A because. Because actually, this is more of a protection for employees more than anything else. Because I know a lot of employees call me on this, and and they and they think that they're being uh, discriminated against when they're asked to fill out this sheet. And I tell them, no, you're not. Actually, fill this out. This is actually your protection. So when um, an employer is asked to ask an employee to fill out this sheet. What they what they do, what they're supposed to do, and if they're not doing this, uh, boy, let us know because we want to know this. But what they're supposed to do is they're supposed to take this sheet and they're supposed to put it to the side. And and no no hiring official is ever supposed to see this this tear off sheet. But what it's done is to gather data on the application process in case somebody later comes in and files a complaint based on that application. Mm -hmm. uh, and and th this gives us data. And so I'm gonna give you an example that, that will probably help people understand why this is very valuable information. So when, when the, the, and let's just say you, you, you've applied, applied for a position and you, you are gonna know nothing about anybody else who applied. 
right? I mean, you, you apply for a job, you've come in randomly, you, you filled it out online, you, you don't know anything about how anything was captured, or you've walked into the place, you filled out an application, you know nothing. We know nothing either. I mean, nobody has any information. But that EEO1 tear-off sheet actually has all this data from everybody else who's come in. So let's say you said you, you've decided like you didn't get the job and you believe you are the most qualified person. But there are some things that raised flags to you during the application process. For example, you felt, let, let's say you went in personally. Yeah, I'm just going to use this as an example. You walked in personally into this facility and you noticed that there was nothing but um, people at the front desk, that they all were the same race or they were all the same sex or they all seemed to be the same age. Mm -hmm. so, so there was a homogeny in there that, that, that you found interesting and you were different. Um, and, and so you, you, you felt that you kind of just felt like uneasy when you went in thinking, I'm not going to get this job because I don't fit in. There's mm -hmm. just something about that, but you left and you didn't get the job. And, and this, this has bothered you. When we look at those EEO1 tear off sheets, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to see how many people with, within that category were you know applied like was there hom a homogeny in that um, application phase? So let's say there are 100 applications. I know I'm going in a really long long explanation, but but this will matter. Let's say there are 100 applications, and of those 100 applications, only 10 of those applications fit in that homogenized category. The rest of the 90 applications were very diverse. Mm -hmm. The company hired somebody that fit within that homogenized application. So they they brought in somebody who looked and acted exactly like they did. There's that red flag. We wouldn't have known that if everybody who applied wouldn't have filled out that EEO1 tear-off sheet. That's why that is important to us. It gives us that 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 information about everybody who applied that we wouldn't have had. But if you would have looked at that EEO1 tear-off sheet and thought, I'm not going to give this because they're going to look at this and not hire me, we wouldn't have had that information to say, this is why they didn't hire them. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And I think one of the big things that I work with, especially because we tend to work with people who are mid-career and above, there's a lot of concerns about the ageism issue. Like I spoke with a person just earlier this week and she is convinced that everybody is passing her over because of age. And even in her last interview, they told her they weren't going to hire her because she was in her 50s and they only hire people who are 25 years old. And I thought, OK, that's weirdly specific. <laughs> that someone that's weirdly that illegal, too. Like and <laughs> and very mean, illegal. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm going to say when, when somebody says we're not hiring you because of your your age, I'm I'm going to. To, to put a hard stop on that situation because that's literally illegal under the Age Discrimination and Employment Act, which says you can't refuse somebody because of their age, which is over the age of 40. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, there's, I mean there, unless, unless there's very specific reasons like there, the, you know, there's like, like a, a provision in there that says, we're not hiring somebody for this, you know, for this position. 
And we've already been vetted in that we can't hire people because of certain, and I'm going to give you a certain provision, like in the federal government, there are certain categorizations you can't hire after a certain age because they have a retirement provision in there that says you must retire at this age and you have to be eligible for retirement. And therefore you can't, we can't hire you at this certain age because you won't be eligible for retirement. Right. But we can hire you for other classifications in this agency. You just can't be hired into this classification. Right. I mean, so there are, there are very, very limited things that you, you, you can't hire people under age, but those have been vetted and those have been, those, those are very specific and there's a very specific reason why. Uh, but, when, but I'm assuming this wasn't a federal position, right? No. Right. Well, was, okay. Yeah. It was yeah. Definitely and it was an airline pilot over the age of 65, right? Right. And that's the right. Thing okay. I, do, I do know over the official age of retirement, they can actually discriminate based on age, right? So if well, I'm for a job and I'm 68 years old, and they're saying, well, no, no, actually, yeah, you can. If you're over the age of retirement, you can. Like I said, the, you know, the, there are very, very specific limitations. And I mean, if somebody's at, at retirement age, you're like like 70 years old and they want to work, you can't say, well, you're, you know, you, you should be retired now. No, I mean, when, when I say very, very specific retirements, it, it's because the, the, you know, there's, there, there's a, there's a mandatory retirement within that field and that, and that you have to retire them out because of certain provisions, which are written in, which says we can't have you in here after this age. So right. like airline pilots come to mind and that's, that, that's been uh, tried and tested over and over into the courts. There are certain federal jobs that say we must retire you out at a certain age. And that's been argued over and over in the courts. But like, for example, um, my job, my job has no retirement age. Mm -hmm. So I can, I can retire when I want. Uh, and, and uh, so it doesn't matter. I mean, I, my uh, GS series has no retirement age on it. Right. So there's also other things known as bona fide occupational requirements. Bona fide occupational no. qualification, BFOQ. Yep. Yeah. Yep, BFOQs. I got that wrong. <laughs> oh, no, no, that, that that's okay. You know, modification, you know, requirement qualifications. It's the same thing, pretty close. Yeah. So, right. sounds like UFOs to anybody outside. Yeah. Of HR <laughs> right. Like, am I a UFO? Yeah, well, and the and, and the fact that you know what a BFOQ is, I'm impressed. So, yeah. Oh, I have an HR background, so that's why. There I, you go. But uh, what this is for our listeners who don't know, a bona fide occupational requirement means that you have to fit a certain category or class in order to do the job. For example, if you wanted to be an Episcopalian priest, you need to be an Episcopalian, correct? And a priest. And a priest. <laughs> and a priest, yeah. <laughs> or on your way to becoming a priest or however that works, right? Whatever, whatever, whatever the requirements are, yeah. So in those cases, again, they're very limited and they're kind of case by case, and correct me if I'm wrong, that there are some things that you might have to fit into those categories. I think my, the favorite case I studied in school is the famous Hooters cases. 
Oh, Hooters and EEOC. We, they are, Hooters and EEOC, we have such a relationship. Oh, I'm sure. So yeah, this was back when I got my degree in 2012. So I know that they come up every now and then. But the whole point where there was a man who wanted to be wait staff at Hooters and they turned him down. And so he sued them because that's discrimination based on gender and sex. And so it came up in court. They asked Hooters what their primary business was. And they were like, we're a restaurant, we serve food. And they're like, okay, you don't have to be a young, hot female to serve food. And they go, wait, 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 wait. Our actual business is heterosexual male entertainment. <laughs> it's a great way to define hot wings and boobs. Right. <laughs> yeah. Hooters, like, Hooters has been a journey. <laughs> <laughs> I love your very political answer on that one. Hooters has been a journey. I, you know, it's, I would, you know, can, can I, can I just, can I just tell a little, a little bit of history back because yeah. I, I, I remember Hooters very well, and I just, I just want to throw something out that a lot of people don't realize, but Hooters, because I, I have to give Hooters credit for, for one thing, they are marketing masters because a lot of people don't realize what Hooters did, which I have to say from, from a PR person because I do the public affairs. Uh, you know, and, and the marketing for, for my agency is that they, you know, a lot of people don't don't remember this, but I remember this because I was, you know, I'm in marketing with the EEOC and, and PR, is that we were on furlough. We had just gone on full furlough, the whole agency. Um, and uh, and we were forbidden when we we're on furlough. I don't know if people know this, is that we are forbidden when we are on furlough by legislatively. We cannot work. Mm -hmm. uh, we're not allowed to answer our phones. We're not allowed to do email. We are literally banned from working. And uh, I, from what I understand, Hooters found this out. And so uh, the second day of the furlough, they, um, they, they did their big press conference and, uh, and, and, uh, and their answer to, to everything that was going on. And as a stunt, they called uh, our office and, and kept getting our answering machine and said, see, EEOC refuses to respond to us. <laughs> and I was like, we, we can't. Yeah. Nothing, We're nothing on weird or shitty about that. <laughs> I was like, that was a brilliant marketing. And then, and then the, the newspaper, and so like all the press people started calling us saying, well, EEOC isn't responding. Bonding. And it's like, we can't. We're legally forbidden from answering our phones. So that was, I, I, I have to say, bravo. <laughs> that was brilliantly played. Yeah, nice move. Nice move. <laughs> nice move. Nice move. Hooters, nice move. Yeah, well, one thing's for sure they employ good lawyers, and I bet the lawyers don't have to wear the outfit. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they don't. Yeah. So we kind of talked about one hint with, you know, trying to figure out if you're being discriminated against, uh, like when you walk in and everybody looks and acts the same. Are there other possible things that a job seeker should look out for or even an employer should look out for to make sure that they're not discriminating against two people? I know I asked two big questions there. <laughs> 
So, yeah, you did. Yeah. So, so you want to write that down? Yeah, let's talk about the job seekers first. So, okay, so job seekers, you know, you, you want you want to get rid of anything that, that's going to drive implicit bias against you, right? I mean, that's that's going to be, uh, you know, your, your, your first step. I, I understand that you, you want people to accept you as, as, as to who your authentic self is. But the truth is, implicit bias always is going to um, creep into any, any decision. So, so, so you want to um, be as, um, as, as, as neutral as possible during the hiring process. And, and I say this as someone who doesn't want anybody to lose their authentic self in, in the hiring process. But what we have found through all of our studies is that the more neutral you can present yourself, the better chance you have of uh, being hired. And, and we say this because we have done so many studies on implicit bias in, in the hiring field. And we have found that, you know, when we remove all factors, all factors that um, that put any bias on there, the most qualified candidate does get hired. And that is what we want in, in all situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, things, things that um, uh, mark you, uh, like, for example, you know, your education is awesome, but but try to remove things like your dates, you know, the, the, the dates that, that you went, went went to high school and college, you know, the, you know, and, and I and by the way, employers of uh, those dates aren't relevant. Mm-hmm. You know, I know employers think that those dates are relevant, but they're not. The degree is what is relevant. Right. And, uh, and, 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 you know, I, we we actually don't. Um, we, we, we do we do question employers who ask things about um, you know like uh, you know what year did you graduate? It, it, those that that's a, that's a red red flag for us because uh, what what we find relevant is whether or not they have a degree. And by the way, that's another thing that we actually do find relevant is that if you're asking for a degree uh, later on, we're going to wonder whether or not that degree is relevant to the position. And a lot of companies will tell us. Well, the degree is relevant to the, the position. The reason why we ask for, let's say, a technology degree is that we want the technology, you know, we want somebody with that technology degree. However, what we will find is that uh, all the technology that the company uh, plans, uh, you know, for, for, for the new hire, the, the, the company plans to train the new hire on their technology because most companies have an internal data system that they want to teach the new hires. And so the, 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 the actual degree that the person is coming in is useless uh, for the, the, what, what, what the company plans to teach when it comes to technology. Usually what the company wants when they're seeking things like technology degrees is that they want to make sure that the, that the, the person coming in has you know, the, the, the foundation to learn technology, but the actual technological degree for the most part, are not are not necessary. I mean, when I say technology degrees are not necessary, I mean the very specific technology technology degrees, like engineering, necessary. A software engineering degree, necessary. But very specific technology degrees, not necessary. But where they are, where 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 companies find themselves asking for them is because they're more recent degrees. Uh, so, so I, I know in my background in, in the HR world, I would ask 
uh, our managers all the time, is a degree required to do this position? And they would say, I don't care as long as they can do the job. And in HR, we would pipe bachelor's degree preferred because we knew it would limit the amount of people applying. Now, that was several years ago. That was over 10 years ago when I last did recruitment like that. But I stay close to the HR circles. I participate in SHRM and things like this. And it's very interesting that the discussion is coming up now regarding degrees that we're encouraging the employers to not be so strict on it because there is a possibility of its class issues, right? Because why is this one candidate who has a degree in basket weaving better situated to be your executive assistant when we have two equal candidates, strong five, seven years background, one has no degree because they came from a disadvantaged neighborhood and background versus you know, our other person who has her or their degree in basket weeding. And it's that unconscious bias because in that case, basket weaving degree doesn't matter. It's the five to seven years experience that they both have that matters a lot more. Okay, so I'm gonna say something that is probably going to shock all your listeners. Oh, I'm lay it on me. <laughs> okay. Our EEOC investigators, not all of them, and I'm going to say recently hired. I, I mean, when I say recently hired, I'm going to say within the last five years, not all of them have college degrees. <gasps> what? No, right? We don't, we don't require college degrees for our EEOC investigators. And, 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 there's, there's, and literally what you just said is why. Because, because not, you know, college degrees are awesome. I have a college degree. My, my boss has a college degree. I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the college degrees are awesome. And, and, we, and we respect and admire people who get college degrees. But not everyone with a college degree is the best candidate for a position. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we, we look at, we're not going to, at EEOC, we are not going to throw out an amazing candidate because they don't have a college degree. We're yeah. not going to do that. We, we look for, you know, with our investigative staff, we want people who have a wide diversity of background to go in and do investigation. We have people that are going to go on to job sites like construction, uh, you know, construction you know, areas. And, and they have to know things like plumbing and electrical and, and, and things that, that are within the entire world of work, there are going to be areas and nuances that people who have spent, you know, four years in college learning, you know, different types of uh, issues are not going to know about. We need people that are well-rounded and very strong in different fields. And, and we look for those candidates. And, and we would encourage that people who are, are in in the world of work, look look at those those type of criteria because that's how you get the best candidates, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like a classic example, my dad, PhD in mechanical engineering, did a lot of contracts with NASA, stuff like that. He uh, was with a think tank here in Denver for like the last 20 years of his career. And everybody there had masters and PhDs and they were hiring an administrative slash lab assistant literally needed somebody to answer phones, 
file documents, check on experiments and clean beakers, just like literally. And they had the bachelor's degree required in there. And I'm like, why do you need a bachelor's degree? You could bring in an intern from one of the colleges and we are right down the school, the street from the Colorado School of Mines, which is one of the best engineering schools in the country. You won't take an intern there because they haven't finished their degree yet. And he's like, well, I believe college degrees are important because it shows you know how to finish something. It's like, dad, that's awful. <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to say, you know, you know, one of, one of the problems that, that we do have is, um, and we have had this in some cases with our investigators where we have had situations where they have um, uh, been investigators on some cases uh, with, with very high level um, people with very high level educations. And in some cases, not all cases, but there have been some cases where um, uh, the people have questioned, the first thing they have questioned is the education level of our investigators because they wanna know what is your education? And we have had to come back and say, the education of our staff is really none of your business. You know, what you have to know is that when we hired them, we believe that they were the best people uh, for this, the, the, this position. And you're not here to vet our staff. Yeah. You know? yeah. So that's and that's, you know, we have to remind people of that is that we vet our staff. You don't vet our staff. Oh, I'm glad you guys stand up for your staff. I stand up we, for mine too. We do stand too. up for our staff. <laughs> We're proud of our staff. We, we, and by the way, anybody who's who's ever you know been been part of an EEOC investigation knows that we're you know we we stand by our staff. We have the best staff ever. And by the way, anybody's curious, uh, we are we are hiring. We, we just we just finished the hiring certification. I, I know some of you uh, got the the. Uh, the, the announcement, but we we just we just we just closed the hiring certification for a Spanish language investigators. So we're looking forward to seeing who comes out of that. But we get hundreds of applications, and just a side note, too, we get hundreds of applications for every one opening. So when we say we hire the best, we really do hire the best. So we're and we're proud of that. Mm -hmm. Excellent, excellent. So let's kind of backtrack to the other big question I dropped on you that we didn't address right away. And so I'm an employer or I'm a manager. What can I do to make sure that we have fair hiring practices and don't accidentally maybe ask illegal questions and things along those lines? So when, when, when asking questions, you, you have to always keep the, the, you know, keep it, keep it pertinent to the job. Uh, we, we, we always say, you know, make, make sure, sure that you're not asking anything that 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 brings out personal or lifestyle questions or, or things things that could that uh, inadvertently uh, uh, get 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 to things like like health like like for example anything that add, that 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 gets any type of health information that's illegal don't ask it uh, and 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 employers don't realize it but sometimes they ask questions that will inadvertently get. Um, get, get people to start talking about health. Like, like for example, I'll just, just, just give a, like, and this, this, this comes up sometimes. Um, you'll be talking to somebody, and you'll, you'll, you'll really get to liking them and you'll start doing some bantering. You'll say, oh, you know, by the way, we have a softball team, you mm -hmm. know? And, oh my gosh, you know, I, 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 and curiosity, did you play softball? Without realizing it, you just opened yourself up for a whole discussion on health. 
Mm-hmm. Or we have a hiking club here. We, you know, is that something that, that you'd be interested in? You've just opened yourself up for a whole discussion on health. Don't, don't, don't do it. Or, you know, even more, like, even more, like, innocent. You know, we, um, we like to do happy hours on Fridays. You know, we, we have a really friendly group here. We do happy hours on Fridays. You just opened yourself up for a health question. Mm-hmm. No, because what happens if I'm a recovering alcoholic? Now I have to disclose well, actually, you I mean, don't have to disclose. You just don't pour yeah, yourself. Yeah, but I would. I mean, you know, I mean, there, you know, there, there, because there are people that would disclose this. I mean, so, so these are these are things that you have to think about. Like when you're doing interviews, you're interviewing a candidate, even though there's this desire to 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 connect intimately. You have to remember this is a professional interview, and you have to keep it professional. You have to make sure that you remember that 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 you have to keep it on a professional level. Please do not try to elicit you know, questions that start getting digging deeper personally, because, and this, and this is, this is for candidates, because I understand this, is that you have a very limited time to connect with them, to make them like you more than they like everybody else, mm-hmm. right? I mean, this is what we want. We want them to like us more than everybody else. And so when they say something like, well, we have a hiking, you know, group, or we have a, you, know, you play softball, or we have, you know, we have a happy hour, we don't want them to dislike us, right? So we want them to know why we can't play softball or why we can't hike or why we can't participate in the in the happy hour because we don't want them to hate us, right? And once they hire us. So, so we're going to try to explain this and tell them our story really quickly. And so this 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 puts a burden on the applicant that you don't want on the applicant. And it also gives you information that you didn't want. So, so it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a double-edged sword. Take it out of your hand. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also, uh, sometimes companies will do this, not unintentionally, like oh, asking questions yeah. of like, you know, we are required to work until five thirty at night. Who's going to take care of your kids while you're at they, work? They, That's they, a totally legal question. Right. And, and, and you're seeing the problem, too. Right. When you start doing things like that. So you, and, but, and, but, and so you have to ask the question in a way that you don't you don't solicit um, information like like like, for example, you, you can ask questions like um, you can say things like, well, like in retail, for example, what? Well, you know, everybody here um, is is required to work weekends. Um, is that going to be a problem? You know, like, you, you know, like that's like letting you know everybody here is required to work weekends. Is that going to be a problem? If that is going to be a problem, you will have to say, well, yeah, that is going to be a problem. Um, or, well, actually, we would we actually, you know, change that up. You know, can you work weekends with or without an accommodation? Is there is there, you know, like we always like to like change that up. But but actually, if that is going to be a problem, you do need to know that. And they and they have to put, they have to put the requirements up front. Like if you if that's unchangeable. Like if you have a retail and you have to work weekends, you know, you have to know that up front. I mean, there are some things that employers can't change for you, you know, but. But right now, those are really coming, those are coming few and far between. And employers, by the way, and I throw this out to you, you have to know what is a requirement and what, what is something that we just like. Yeah. Like, like, for example, I like my employees to be in the office, but that's really not a requirement. Mm-hmm. I like to see my employees, but it's really not required. 
So that's there's there, there's there's a difference between having somebody that has to be at that front desk every day because customers are coming in, and somebody that I would like to have at at their desk. But the truth is, they've been doing their job remotely for two years. Yeah. So so there's a there's a difference, and and I, I'm going to throw this out to retail too because uh, you know because people are saying, well, they're in retail, they have to be there. Do they? Hmm. You know, uh, because because I have a friend. I'm going to just use use my friend um, who's 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 been working at a game shop for for two years, and and he did a lot of his job online uh, because he was filling online orders. He was working a lot with the online customers, so he actually did his entire job online for two years, and the company did very very well. So they're used to working with him online, and he does a lot of Zoom with the customers everything else. So there's really no reason for him to go back into the office. Right. So it's really interesting that the EEOC is thinking about these kind of things and definitely with that whole remote remote work, now that we're seeing more employers wanting you to do hybrid schedules or fully back in the office. And it's, you know, good to know that uh, it's not always really required. Well, and we're finding that like most people, and this, and this, this is becoming a big issue right now because mm-hmm. A lot of people like working from home, but a lot of people like doing things from home too. It's 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 a double double thing. Like, and I'm going to you know, like like for the people that are listening right now, how many of you prefer shopping from home, getting your groceries from home? You know, you know, going like how many of you, when given a choice, want to renew your driver's license from home instead of going to the driver's license bureau? We're finding at EEOC, you know, we used to make people come into the office to file their, their, their complaints. Remarkably, we're finding that people don't want to do that anymore. When yeah. given the option between, you know, doing it on, you know, like talking to us on the phone or talking through us through a video instead of coming down downtown, paying twenty dollars for parking, and you know, and and going through that hassle. They don't want to do that. And even though we're in the office and we're available for them to do that, people don't want to come in. Right. Imagine that. You know? Imagine that. So, yeah, imagine that. So so people, given the, the, the choice, they don't want to fight rush our traffic at eight o'clock in the morning and come see us as charming as we are. So we're, we're, we're finding that this is, this is not just on our end where people you know, are finding that working from home is more efficient. Our customers don't want to come in either. So this is, this is, this is going both ways. Right. So normally we would do our tattoo of the day segment, but Patricia. Yeah. You don't have any tattoos, do you? Actually, I do. <gasps> you do. What's your tattoo? I'm not going to tell you, but it's, <laughs> it's a place where nobody can see them, but I have two. I have them hidden, very well hidden. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, you and I, because well, I tell people I don't have tattoos. I have I have two very well hidden tattoos, but no no employer would ever see my tattoos. But this does uh, bring up another thing that I think is very important to our listeners is that now there's movements out there about discrimination based on tattoos or other body modifications. And I think it's really interesting as somebody who's heavily tattooed myself and I'm a Gen Xer. So when we started getting our tattoos in the nineties, even though we were rebels, you know, we were very conscious about they were be easily covered up 
if we had to go work in an office, right? It's like, I'm heavily tattooed. Most people don't know that when they first meet me. But younger generations tend to have their tattoos a lot more visible, lower arms, on the hands, up on the neck, and things like this. So is there circumstances where employers can or cannot discriminate based on these tattoos and body modifications? Well, I'm from the same, I'm from the generation of high tattoos. So when people ask me how tattoos, I usually say, no, I don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, and, you know, and the reason I just usually, the only reason I'm saying this is that I actually had my tattoo refreshed yesterday. Uh, so, nice. Yeah, yeah, had my, yeah. But um, so, so tattoos are interesting. Um, uh, you can, you can ask people to cover up their tattoos. That, that you can do that. Um, but, um, you know, tattoo, uh, so, so what, the, the thing with tattoos is that tattoos are so much becoming so much a part of our culture. Um, here's the thing with tattoos. And I, and I warn people about tattoos because, because they, they, they have to be careful on one end with it because, um, because tattoos are body art. Uh, more more than anything else, they're a form of self-expression, and um, and so I warn people on this: uh, be careful with them, because an employer, um, you know, if, if they offend somebody, uh, an employer can ask you not to display them because uh, they they may have something that is offensive to somebody else, and and whether or not they are your form of self-expression. Like with anything else, if somebody else finds it offensive in the workplace, uh, the, the employer can ask you not to display it, just like wearing a T-shirt or uh, a poster or um, in, anything else. I mean, it, 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 they, they can be covered up. And when it's on your body, it becomes a, an entirely different conversation. Mm-hmm. So, so it's something where uh, you know this, this, this can become a very interesting conversation. And we have had these conversations because somebody will say, well, that's not what my body art means. And somebody else can say, well, that's how I interpret it. And now we have a very hard discussion for the employer, for the employee, and for the person that's offended. Mm-hmm. So I warn people in advance, if you're going to have something controversial, please be prepared for that conversation. Uh, that's that's just a fact. However, um, when employers, I, I, I ask employers to tread lightly on this uh, when it, when it comes to banning uh, body art, because you know, it, again, this this goes to implicit bias. You know, it, this is this is something that you know it's it's not going away, uh, and uh, it's it's like anything else. I, I understand that, um, you know, that, that, that there are some companies that, that they prefer a certain look over another look, but, but, but this really has nothing to do with qualifications, does it? Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, this, this, there, there really is nothing that says that you have to allow somebody with, you know, body modification or body art, but, um, you know, there's still law being developed on this. So, I, and I think that's a great way to put it. The law is being developed and yeah. it's also on a case-by-case basis. Yeah. So yeah. just like I we get, ask the employers to make reasonable accommodations for us, sometimes we have to make reasonable accommodations for them. Right. And at some yeah. point, my first husband had tattoos down his forearms of naked women. 
And then he had- Yeah, we were gonna say cover that one up. <laughs> yeah, well, he had been in construction where it didn't matter. He was an electrician. Then he moved into a job as a surgical technician in a hospital. Long sleeves required yeah, all day, every day now. But yeah. then there's another case. This was actually happened to my middle child where they were working at a pizza place. They had been working there for, I don't know, like six months or a year or something. And they had facial piercings, which for them, as they were pursuing their apprenticeship in piercing, they are now a professional piercer. For them, it was a religious experience getting tattoos, getting the piercing, wearing the jewelry, all the rest of this. And so when she was hired, body art, no problem. The piercings on her eyebrow, no problem. Excuse me there, eyebrow, no problem. All right. But then they changed their policy and all of a sudden these things were not allowed. So they asked the boss, can I just put a Band-Aid over my, it was an eyebrow piercing too. It's not like the way they look now. Right. <laughs> it's a lot more intense. Right. Yeah. But, um, and the, at first the boss said, yes, that's fine. And then after a week or two, they were like, no, we don't like this. We don't, you know, we don't want people thinking that you have a disease and it's going to fall off in their pizza. It was all like, so they fired them. And so my middle child goes, well, brought it to the EEOC because they felt they had a case on religious discrimination because number one, everything was fine before until they changed policy. They, they made a reasonable accommodation for the employer, thought they had an agreement that was also pulled away and it ended up that they won the case. Yeah, well, because yeah, because on religious on religious accommodation, were, were they with their church or um, body modification by any chance? It sure was, yes. Yeah, and that's the important thing too. It's not like I can go say I am now the founding member of um, Jews for Jesus Christ and sobriety in Arvada, Colorado, and that's my new church. There has to be at least one more follower than me, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, because what you're dealing with there is a, is a deeply held, you know, re religious belief or, or spiritual belief. I mean, and this is something that, you know, EEOC, we actually we actually uh, updated our guidance back in um, January of uh, 2021, uh, I believe it's 2021, to, to reflect that um, uh, religious accommodation isn't just, uh, a, you know, religion, it's actually deeply held spiritual beliefs. Mm -hmm. uh, because, um, you know, and, and this, and this is one of the things that 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 we found, you know, you know, what, what you're just talking about, is that, you know, your 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 spiritual beliefs doesn't just go to a deity, you know, your, um, your, your deeply held religious beliefs, um, and spiritual beliefs come from within. I mean, so, you know, we, you know, re religious beliefs, um, are, are, are deeply held and these, and, you know, and when, if you just limit it to a religious belief, which, which, which is uh, attached to a deity, you know, which, uh, you know, it, it is very limiting to what, um, to, to what religion actually is, uh, because some religions um, have a deity and some religions do not. And yeah. so we, we expanded the guidances to include uh, things that are, are, are deeply held spiritual beliefs which are within you, 
um, things things that, that that you follow um, and that and that are go go to your core beliefs. Uh, and this is this you know your your daughters would be one of them. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time, Patricia. This has been Patricia McMahon with the EEOC. Uh, How would people reach out to the EEOC if they need to file a complaint or to follow up with any additional questions or just some other resources? Well, always um, our website is the best way on eeoc.gov. Again, we have the easiest website ever. Uh, Seven letters, right? eeoc.gov. However, once you get on the website, that's where the fun begins. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> navigating it is awful. But if you just go to the EEOC portal, we have an EEOC portal where you can interact with that. And it is very interactive and it will help you uh, find out whether or not you belong there. And uh, once you go in there, it'll tell you whether or not you have an EEOC issue. And if you do, we want you to contact us. Uh, that, the worst thing you can do is let your time run out. You have 300 days to file a charge of discrimination. If you don't, you will lose your rights forever. Don't lose your rights because you didn't check. Uh, so that is that is our big issue. That's that's the most tragic thing that could ever happen. So you're never bothering us. Uh, we always say we have nothing better to do with our time. Uh, so please contact us. Uh, that is that is the main thing. We don't want anybody losing the rights. Excellent. Well, thank you again so much, Patricia. And this has been extremely helpful, very informative. And I had lots of fun with it, but I'm kind of a nerd on this stuff like that. So, (laughs) you know, thanks again for joining us. Thanks for listening to Tattooed Freaks in Business Suits, produced by the Personal Touch Career Services. Our host is Donna Shannon. All music has been ethically sourced and licensed from SoundDogs.com and EpidemicSound.com. Support the arts. We certainly do. Join us next time as we continue to explore the evolving world of work and leadership in the United States. If you are interested in being a guest or if you would like to receive a complimentary career evaluation, please visit the contact page at personaltouchcareerservices.com. Once again, that's personaltouchcareerservices.com. Or you can just Google it.